On the block, on demand. They don't know about the kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer. Yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin! Stone Cold! Somebody in Vegas told him they were going to win by 20! The Bills make me want to Taylor going to take a shot. Throwing in zone. He's got Watkins. Touchdown! They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. This is On the Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. ESPN Radio, 97.7, one 100.1, ESPN Radio, Utica Row. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board as always. You can listen online. They do have the internet on computers now, ESPNSyracuse.com. You can listen on the ESPN app, so you can take us with you wherever you go. Download the app, hit the app, push the listen button, find ESPN Syracuse. And away you go, my friends. Wherever you go, we're going with you. It's a beautiful thing. If you want to get in touch with the program today, opine on some breaking Syracuse basketball news or anything else we're discussing today, here's how you do it. 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. That's how you get in touch. That's how you reach out. That's how you get your opinion heard. On this radio program. No guests today, but uh, plenty to discuss throughout the next couple of hours, including, as Seth just told you, breaking basketball news just coming down in the last hour. Geno Thorpe has left the Syracuse University basketball program due to personal reasons. That is the only thing being cited at this point. That's pretty much the only information we have at this point, which also leaves us with the information of the Syracuse basketball team Lost a little depth. How big of an impact will this have, leaving Syracuse with just three scholarship guards left on a team that's got its primary player, its best player, and one of those three guards, not quite at 100%. Certainly something we'll discuss along with that big Syracuse-Kansas game that is coming up this weekend. We'll get to that. The NFL Blitz, the pick six, the six biggest games in football, The coaching carousel in college football, I think every year gets a little nuttier. And I think I've said this the past few years. Boy, this is the craziest coaching situation I can remember. Well, this one might take the cake in terms of the number of big-name coaches moving, interesting hires being made, and Tennessee elevating itself from... That's like a little brush fire to a grease fire to a tire fire. Now it's a towering inferno. We'll get into that. Hot takes coming up. No pun intended there, right? That's hot. And so much more. But we do start with some Syracuse basketball. And we were going to do that anyway with this big Kansas game coming up. And we will certainly discuss this Kansas game coming up. But a little bit of news that just broke within the last hour. And that news coming from Syracuse 
announced just before 3 p.m. that Geno Thorpe has left the Syracuse men's basketball program for personal reasons. That is what the release said. That is what we know. And that is what we know. The release from Syracuse officially that I'm looking at right now in my inbox is a mere sentence. Graduate student Geno Thorpe has left the Syracuse men's basketball program for personal reasons. Now, I'm sure this could flush out. Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. When you use the term personal reasons, there's a lot that can be done there. School, not school, home, not home. But it's interesting in that it's somebody who was here for just six games. He played in all six games. He averaged six points and just under 14 minutes per game. Uh, Jim Beheim saying recently that uh, Thorpe's ankle injury seemed to have sapped him of some of his explosiveness, and that's something to keep in mind, that Geno got hurt during practice, had to sit out most of practice, preseason practice, with an ankle injury, and then was kind of working his way back into the lineup. He provided depth, and what we have seen in these six games so far this season is Frank Howard and Tyus Battle are killing it. Frank Howard has just been a completely different person, a much more confident guard. There have been several games this season. He's played all 40 minutes. Tyus Battle speaks for himself what the talent is, what the, you know, even with the back injury, goes out there and scores nine points in four minutes, ends up with 18 points. We'll see how that goes tomorrow in Miami against a much better team because Syracuse is going to have to lean pretty heavily on Tyus Battle. We have not seen much of Howard Washington Jr., one of the younger players on this team so far, but we will now. So now you have Geno Thorpe, who has left the program for personal reasons. Different position, different situation, but you go back over the summer and right before the semester starts, Torian Thompson has left the program and ended up on the Seton Hall roster. He can't play this year, but will uh, has transferred there and will be able to play next year, and that's a situation that's closer to home for him, and there you go. So for one reason or the other, you've had two players that have left Syracuse in the last four months. So that'll make things a little more interesting. Depth was a concern to start with. It's even more of a concern now. I mean, this was pretty much a nine-player team, and that number is dwindling. Howard Washington Jr., by the way, has played in just three games. He's averaged just under seven minutes per game. He has not scored this year and seemed to be the odd man out in the rotation, albeit early on here, because it was Frank and Tyus, and if either one of those two came out, Gino was in. So that's a, uh interesting news flash to get here on a Friday, considering Syracuse got on a plane today to go play a game in Miami tomorrow against the number two team in the country, and we'll now do it with a little less depth at the guard position. This is all we know at this point. And if there's anything uh, churning on the rumor mill or people speculating on Twitter, you guys go ahead and do that. I I hate to speculate about things, but when all you get is a one-sentence release, and and again, this just came out an hour ago, so... We're continuing to gather information and see what the deal with it is. Maybe more will come of it, and certainly more will come of it tomorrow when Jim Beheim speaks and the players speak and they react to this after the Kansas game. But it is interesting that you have a graduate. Usually players that transfer are not 
experienced players. You're a graduate transfer. You've played somewhere else. You've pretty much figured out what you want to do for that last year, what your role is going to be. And for him to step aside, again, getting into the world of speculation here, it said personal reasons. You could have something going on at home. You know, again, I don't even want to throw out the possibilities because I could be guessing all day what that could be. But usually these are younger players that do that. They come in, they figure out what's happening. They're not happy. They've got a lot of eligibility left. They've got a lot of places they can go and things they could do. It's typically not the grad transfers that do it. So while Geno had yet to make a huge impact on this team, he had a couple of games where he scored, what, 12 points and 13 points and showed a flash of what he could do. It was becoming pretty abundant that Frank Howard and Tyus Battle are going to be out there as much as possible and that they were going to be leaned on heavily to start with. But now to not even have the possibility of a Geno Thorpe to spell one of those two if they get into foul trouble, if they're struggling. We've already seen Tyus Battle get hurt, thankfully not to the point where he had to leave the the you know the team, had to sit out. He's playing through it, but now you're playing with fire a little bit when it comes to depth. And for a player to leave on December 1st, I mean – I mean, you can look at it one of two ways. He knew what he had to do when he left, and you've got plenty of time to get over it and figure it out. Or you kind of scratch your head and say, why would a player leave a team on December 1st? I mean, the semester is ending pretty soon here, but that's a pretty abrupt up and leave. And you could tell Syracuse was kind of caught off guard by this. And again, we're only an hour into this, right? So I'm sure more details will come out and they'll tell us what they can, but just a one sentence release both on Twitter and you know in my email and you know uh, the people that cover this team know as much as you do he's left the team for personal reasons and let's build from there so there's that and then there's the matter of this game and I'm going to go to the phones here in a bit talk to you at 4377644 look this game is a situation for Syracuse that comes down to the three point line to me They have to make threes to be competitive against a Kansas team that comes in one of the highest scoring teams in the country. Kansas right now is averaging 96 points per game. I got my numbers right here. I want to make sure I got my numbers right here. But if you watch them the other day (laughs) against Toledo, Devontae Graham drops 35 points himself. They've got four players that are averaging over... 35% from the three-point line. All of their starters are in double figures. I mean, it's Kansas. you got to figure they're really good. They've got everything you need. They've got players that can shoot from the outside. They've got one of the best big men that Syracuse is going to face all year. So Syracuse, you know, if you want to look at the bright side of things, they got nothing to lose, right? (laughs) You go down to Miami and... It's a measuring stick game. Let's see where you really are. Let's see where you're at here against an amazing team like this. It just really comes down to that. All right, so Kansas right now, just to give it to you, they're at 94.5 points per game. I was off slightly there. All five starters in double figures. They're forcing 16 turnovers per game. They're fourth in the country in three-point shooting, averaging 45% as a team. Syracuse is giving up so far this year 43% from the three-point line. Syracuse is fourth in the country in rebound margin. Their defense has been good, but they are only shooting 29% from three-point range. Kansas is just a team that is loaded, that's going to push the tempo, and they're going to say, try and keep up. 
They are in the short conversation of teams that can win the national championship. It's on a neutral floor. If Syracuse can shoot the three and put a dent in Kansas' three and get, you know, Tyus Battle, bad back or not, has got to have a huge game. Frank Howard has to stay at the rate he's been playing. You need everybody else to step up. And now knowing you're a little less on the depth chart with uh, Geno Thorpe having left the team, puts a little more pressure on others to step up. I think O'Shea Brissett has to make shots. He got a lot of good looks at the basket against Maryland and has been getting good looks all year, but whether or not those are going in has been kind of an up-and-down proposition at this point. So let's see what you got against one of the better teams in the country. Of this three-game stretch, this is the one everybody's kind of written off to say, well, that's going to be a tall mountain to climb. And then you move on to Connecticut on Tuesday. Let's see what you're saying. A lot to uh, chew on there on the Syracuse basketball front. 437-7644. Pat and Syracuse is going to lead us off today on the phones. Pat, what's up, man? Happy Friday, Brent. How are you? I'm great. Happy Friday to you, buddy. When I heard this news, I this is what I thought. You have to go by, and what I've always done is you listen to what the coaches are saying. And going into the season, I, I was very confused because for two years we heard how good Frank Howard was, and we saw it in, in, in flourishes but not nearly enough, especially people can argue. His sophomore year, he, he, he digressed and went the wrong way. And then we, we learned from a, a great article uh, by Mike Waters that he was hurt uh, the whole night. So that actually was good news that there was other things going into it, whether it's medical, personal, whatever the case may be. So I felt all year, and I said on your radio show, that starting spot was open for discussion, whether it was going to end up being Gino running the point or Frank. And, you know, Frank has earned it, and I, I couldn't be happier about that. I think Gino with the ankle had something to do with it. And I think, Frank, you know, Bayheim's always going to defer to somebody who's been in the program for two years. I think he's also going to defer, and he's always spoke about, you know, the experience of Gino, and he knows how to play, and he plays good defense. But I'm not concerned one bit about the depth, because what this does is that now he's only going to play three guards. So the only time depth for me is going to be a concern is, like, like Coach said, if somebody gets hurt. So, yeah, if somebody gets hurt, depth comes into the picture, but assuming that that does not happen, now it's Washington who's going to be spelling uh, Battle and uh, Howard. And I and I, I think what we'll see with that is more of a pass-first mentality. Gino wanted to get his. He he, he was, uh, you know, he was ready to shoot, and uh, he just wasn't fitting of the flow of the offense. And then Beheim alluded to it in one of his post games, you know, that he wasn't playing well, so that's why he didn't play. I mean, he got less, less minutes than Moyer, so it is what it is. It's a uh, it's one of those things that you don't expect, but I, I think that's why you are Syracuse. And, you know, you, you recruit somebody to Howard Washington who you didn't really need, and uh, a lot of programs would, would be starting him. That's why you I do it. he is a good talent. That's why you do say, it. You bring in the younger players, you develop them, situations like yeah. this come up, and, and you hope they're ready to go. And, and Howard doesn't have a lot of pressure on him, Pat. He's just got to come in well, and, and spell those guys when they need a breather or somebody's in foul trouble, which rarely happens, or, you know, just to get some run. And now he's going to get that opportunity. And you the said point I wanted, Yeah, the, the last point I wanted to make real, real quick was, you know, um, Thorpe wasn't there for, for either summer session, and Howard has developed a much better – um, chemistry from playing with these guys for, for, for months, you know, no, no one said game a lot more, no one percent game and Moyer. Um, so I think this will be something that I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised on the offensive end with Howard Washington. I think he's significantly behind defensively. 
And that's, you know, when if, if he gets injured in the game and, and, and he gives up a couple threes, he's coming out. So. That goes to what you were saying, Pat, and always appreciate the call. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Of Bayheim will lean on experience, particularly on the defensive end. And, look, I don't want to speculate on anything personally. I, I just found this out myself with everybody else because there was no inkling to this. It just, boom, it happened. But from a basketball standpoint, remember, Gino came from South Florida, which was a really bad team last year, but he was the leading scorer. He was the guy that was used to having the ball in his hands, and I'm sure that would be a tough adjustment. Not being that guy, had a year of eligibility left, came into a situation, and transfers have the pick of the litter. You're not being recruited. You're the one recruiting and looking around, and he sorted through it, and Syracuse was the place that felt best and worked best. But it was becoming abundantly clear, you know, with Frank's emergence and Ty's battle being Ty's battle, you were going to play a complementary role. So when he did get in, I think Pat makes a fair point to say it's not that he was trying to get his in the sense of get out of my way and nobody else gets the ball. But, you know, when you know that clock's ticking and you're only going to get somewhere between six and ten minutes a game unless you're rolling and Beheim rides the hot hand, then, yeah, you're, you're going to be apt to shoot the ball more, take it to the rack more, than, than distribute the ball. But, boy, we only saw him for six games. Geno Thorpe hardly knew you. Uh, let's see what Joe and Camillus thinks before we take a break here at 437-7644. Go ahead, Joe. Brent, thanks for taking my call. A couple of quick points here. Sure. Um, I think that if you guys tune back and watch the Maryland game, you can kind of tell – uh, in Geno Thorpe's mannerisms, his slumping shoulders. Bayheim's a quick trigger coach. Everyone knows that. You know, he doesn't really deal with players, you know, making a, a bunch of bad plays consecutively without pulling them out of the game. And, you know, certain people have that, that mental fortitude, you know, like Craig Forth used to have it. Daywan Coleman had it where, hey, you know, you're going to come in for two minutes and I'm going to pull you out and put somebody else in. And then there's players like B.J. Johnson, Robert Patterson, and now, unfortunately, Geno Thorpe. And obviously, like you said, it's speculatory, but – you know, you can just kind of tell with his mannerisms in the Maryland game. Beheim pulled him out. He went to the bench. He was rolling his eyes. He wasn't listening to Beheim talking to him. And, you know, some players just don't have that fortitude to, to handle, you know, um, adversity well and getting pulled out of the game quick. And that's my opinion on that. Joe, thanks for the call and the thoughts. You know, I, I, I hate to play amateur psychologist, you know, because you're not thinking that's going to be his last game in a Syracuse uniform. You can see what a player is frustrated, clearly. How they handle it and handle Bayheim is always interesting. And being a graduate transfer, someone who's been around the block a couple of times, you know, you expect more from them, as we saw from Andrew White and John Gillen last year. But clearly, Geno Thorpe was not the, one of those two. And again, personal reasons. That could be anything. You know, this guy could have a situation going on away from school and basketball that, you know, and I don't want to rip him too much. But. We know this. He's no longer on the team. So how does that affect things going forward? We'll dig into that Kansas game a little bit more. Hot takes to come and so much more here on a Friday. Stay right there. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. You are On the Block ESPN Radio. 97.7, 100.1. Don't forget, though, you can listen on your time. Weekend's coming up. You want to catch up on... All of our shows throughout the week, you missed some good conversations, some good interviews, including my weekly chat with Jim Beheim. Just subscribe to ESPN Syracuse in iTunes and Google Play and get daily podcasts of Orange Nation in the booth, the Daniel Baldwin Show, 
and this year program on the block. So big Syracuse Hoops news with Geno Thorpe leaving the program for personal reasons. Where does that leave the orange? We'll continue to discuss that, get into that SU-Kansas game as well. Let me go back to the phones, though, at 437-7644. Matt in Auburn wants to talk a little football with us. What's up, Matt? Hey, Brian. You know, so just bear with me, but I just I got a problem kind of with the atmosphere surrounding Syracuse football. It okay. just seems like the fans and maybe even some of the writers are just so accepting of this meteorocracy and that getting to six wins is it shouldn't just be an expectation and getting to a bowl, but it seems like it's winning a national championship. And I'm not a diehard Q's fan. I don't know why he can be, but I have a friend and I'm like, what happened with Q's football this year? He's like, well, they had a tough schedule. Yeah, I got hurt. My wall, you know, I got it. You played Clemson, you played LSU. You had three high school football games on that schedule. And you know what? Boston college quarterback got hurt. It came in rolled you. And you know what? You compare yourself to two teams in this division, Pitt, and I know they had a bad year, but they've had much more success. And you probably compare yourself to Boston College, and that program looks like it's on the moon. So I, I'm just I'm a little tired of hearing about schedules. Is that every year it's like a new story? It's like a relationship you can with someone. It's just excuses. You know, the city holds their, the basketball program's feet to the fire every year, but they don't do the same with football. I'm not saying they should be a top 25 team, but it just seems like getting to six wins is like. Oh, we're in the national championship game. Like, going, you should be. You should get the six wins every year. Yeah, I can't. I can't strongly disagree with anything you said. In that, look, they didn't do themselves any favors by having the same exact record this year that they did last. Now, if you watched the team and saw that how competitive they were in a lot of those games, beating Clemson, they lost their starting quarterback for the last few games, and you can say, well, there's another excuse. That's not an excuse, okay. Florida State lost their starting quarterback in the first game of the season. Florida State. And they have to beat Louisiana Monroe just to get a bowl game this weekend. That matters. The defense, I uh, look, I, you can't give up 162 points in three games. They weren't even that banged up. So what you're saying isn't wrong, okay? But Syracuse is just not on the level of some of those programs I mentioned and others that I didn't, that they can just snap a finger and rebuild in two years. But here's where you're not wrong either. Six wins after you beat Clemson. That had to happen. And I said that right after that game. And after that win, I said, okay, you have shown us what you're capable of. I'm using the words of the head coach. And, Matt, thanks for the call and the thoughts. So I get the frustration. I understand how people look at it and all they hear is excuses. That was one of the toughest schedules in the country, but they proved that they could get around that by how competitive they were in most of those games. I was saying this this morning, actually. I, I go on with our buddy Josh on K-Rock every Friday, and Josh, of course, hangs out on the Daniel Baldwin show before this, and I'm like, look, this is going to be a very frustrating offseason to mark and look at and try and convince somebody, like Matt, like the people he was discussing, that they made improvement. Because they have the same record. You are what your record says you are. Now, anybody that watched every snap of this football team like I did knows they are a better team, but they didn't help themselves by getting the same exact record and how the bottom fell out. So what's got to happen is they've got to build up depth. They now have two legit quarterbacks next year. If Dungy does get hurt again, and given the recent pattern, it's inevitable he will. You've got Tommy DeVito to back him up, who, from everything I hear, looks terrific. 
and will only be better next season. You've got to build up defensively. They've got some four-star talents coming in on the offensive line. It's it's a process. It's frustrating, but I think it would have given they would have given themselves a heck of a lot more slack from the fan base had they won six games this year and got to a bowl game because then people can believe. We're beyond belief without evidence. I keep going back to that Ghostbusters line, right? I worked in the public sector. They expect results. Yeah, we do expect results. That's just kind of the tough gig in sports. How about Scooter in Jamesville? He's next up here at 437-7644. What's up, Scoot? Hey, I'm kind of worried about the recruiting of Buddy Bayheim. All those free meals over 18, 19 years. <laughs> you think they're going to investigate that or what? But how about all those text messages, too? You know, you figure, oh, my God, we're, just... we're, we're in trouble. We're, you know. It could be, it could be, you know, uh, sanctions or something, right? The NCAA will be back in town with a weary eye on that one. So uh, yeah, I hope they, uh, I hope they cover that one up. School. We'll just keep this conversation between you and I, okay? Yeah, that's right. We'll, we'll keep this secret now. I mean, I'm sure, that, I'm sure all those, like I said, those text messages and all those free meals. I don't you know, know. It just goes to show you. That- <laughs> you can frame anything the right way to convince somebody. Well, Syracuse has a recruit who received free meals his entire <laughs> life in Syracuse, New York, to play basketball there. Well, yeah, that's because he lived there. But anyway. <laughs> hey, uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a, a great game, I think. I think we'll find out if uh, – I always think the zone, uh, the length actually equals success uh, for Syracuse when it comes to zone. It's just how much t- – how much we've got to sacrifice on the offense. And when we don't have to sacrifice a lot on the offense, when we have length and, and scores, that's when we seem to have the success. And I think this year we have the length, but we have scores that are length. And so we don't have to worry about, you know, the lack of score. And I think, you know, we have, have enough uh, of both. And uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, my boys from Gonzaga are on tonight, uh, 10 o'clock on ESPN playing Creighton. And uh, Pencil then for uh, Hopkins. You want to see Hopkins uh, – they 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 play Gonzaga December tenth on the I think on the Pac twelve network so circle them in if you want to see you know have a look at uh, how Hop's doing. Scoot, I think I'll count on you for that one because usually those games are on at like ten thirty at night. So oh yeah, you yeah, can but, you can give us the recap. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, you know, Grandpa Grandpa X. I mean, you know, you know, take me, you know, take you know, like the five to you know seven nap, and right after you get out, or actually, actually get out, of, you know, out, out there. Of I do want to see Hopkins coach this year, but I'll catch one of those Saturday games where it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, as opposed to staying up watching Pac twelve network games. I do get the Pac-12 network, and it is the least watched channel I believe I have on on my cable package. Partially why I'm going to be cutting the cord soon, but that's a whole different topic for a different day. How about uh, Tom and Freema at 437-7644? Hey, Tom. X-Man. What's going on, bud? How are you? Happy Friday to you. Yeah, happy Friday. Yeah, I just want to respond to that uh, caller who was talking about the football program. It sounded to me like he was an outsider looking in, and a lot of the, a lot of the things that he said, and, and you said it too, he, he you know, he was telling the truth. He was right about a lot of it, you know. It's tough to listen to, you know, but he's right, you know. He's right, and and those are the guys you got to get back. That's why I can't argue too strongly with, with fans like that, Tom. And he said, well, I'm not a big fan, but I follow it. I'm like, that's the fan they got to get back. You and I, who right. watch the program every day, we, we kind of know the deal, but... Think of if you're trying to sell this, like you you have you walk in, you cold call this guy, and you're trying to sell him on Syracuse football, and you go through this whole spiel, and you're like, well, did, did they have a better record than the year before that? No, 
then why should I buy it? You know, it's it's you got to be right. a really good salesman to get somebody to, to to sign off on that. Right. It's been going on for sixteen years, you know. But Coach Mack started out like this, you know. I mean, the cover was bare when he took over, and um, he turned it around. If Dino Babers can't turn this around, who can? You know, the the guy. You know, he's got charisma. He's a he's got a great offensive mind. He's supposedly a good recruiter. But the disappointing, there's two things that happened this year that, that, you know, I'm a diehard fan. Two things happened this year that, that really you can't ignore. Losing the middle Tennessee State and giving up all those points in the last three games, the defense was pathetic. Is this defensive coordinator the answer? I mean, is, is he going to keep this guy on? I mean, this, cause that, that, that was pretty bad the last three games. I... <sighs> You know, it's one of those things you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, Tom. Because if you fire Brian Ward and you start over, you're starting over in year three, which is not ideal. But you can't convince me that the the same exact plan you have now is the way to go forward on defense. So it's a question of what adjustments can you make? Can you have a base of, you know, whatever it is, the Tampa 2, the Tampa 3, the Tampa 4, but change it around to make adjustments to the teams you're facing in your division that you're playing year in and year out. Thanks for the call, Tom. Because it's not working. The Middle Tennessee State game is the killer. I think that's the one we're going to look back on and say, you cannot lose that game, especially at home. And it just goes to show you that it is a long season, but every game counts. This is why coaches say this. It's 12 individual weeks. It is 12 individual seasons in a way. And the ups and downs and the flow of it, and, you know, that's a killer. Losing that game. And people complain about those early season games that they have. Like the home opener next year is Wagner after they go to Western Michigan and Liberty's being added to the schedule. In college football, you need that warm up game. You need that game to get going before you really start playing the meat and potatoes games. Thing is, though, Syracuse had that warm up this year before they played Middle Tennessee and blew it. Now, people. Forget, they actually had a shot to win that game down the end. They were one yard short as they were driving down the field. But woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's what's going to define this football season, and that's the unfortunate part about it. Speaking of which, I wrote a column up on Syracuse.com. The things that Syracuse wants back. Regrets, they got a few. So uh, I'll, I'll tweet that out here if you follow me at Brent Axe Media. But go check that out. Because, look, you can go with a fine-tooth comb and go over the moments they misfired every year. But given that it was a 4-8 and season, it fell well short of expectations. I went through each game and I said, okay, here are the moments from each game that they want back. Particularly Middle Tennessee State, LSU, NC State, Miami, and a few others we can note here. But there's moments from all those games. Decision-making, plays that came up just short that shows you the the thin line you straddle between 4-8 and and 6-6. and And this was before Eric Dungey got hurt and the defense fell apart in the last three games of the season. On that note, we'll break. We can continue to talk football. Geno Thorpe has left the Syracuse basketball program, if you have not heard and are just hearing that. So certainly depth affected there. It's a loss. It's not a crushing blow, but it's one you don't want if you're Syracuse because now you only got three guards. And you're going to be pushing Frank Howard and Tyus Battle a little harder than you even were now. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. It is presented by our friends at Burdick Toyota. Let's jump right in, shall we? Hit me with that fancy open. 
do some hot takes. We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot and hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. <laughs> it's time for hot takes on the block. Geno Thorpe has left the Syracuse basketball program. We will get back to that. Talk plenty more Syracuse hoops coming up as they get ready for a big game against Kansas. But can we talk about how the level of this raging fire has grown in Knoxville all week? This has been one of the most fascinating, one of the most disastrous handlings of a major college athletics program I have ever seen. Just soup to nuts, all things considered. Let's review, shall we? So earlier this week, Tennessee closes in on and wants to hire Greg Schiano as its head coach, led by Carnival Barker Clay Travis and a bunch of totally irrational fans. Tennessee cites, let me, let me, let me scale back on that because I, I don't want to say Tennessee did this. Those fans use Greg Schiano's loose relation to the Penn State case as an excuse to say they are outraged and don't want him as their head coach, as opposed to just saying, we don't want Greg Schiano as our head coach. So they they back off Greg Schiano, even though they signed a memorandum of understanding that he's going to be the coach, and they're probably going to owe him money. I don't know how much, but they're going to owe him something, and he never coached a day. Okay. So then the coaching search goes on, and maybe it was Mike Gundy, and then he turned it down, and David Cutcliffe turned it down. And Dave Doran turned it down, and Jeff Brom turned it down, and Dan Mullen turned it down. And apparently, last night, the report is that Mike Leach from Washington State was the guy. Instead, Tennessee today fires the AD, John Curry, who has been on the job all of eight months and has botched this whole thing throughout the week. And apparently, one of the reasons that Curry got fired was that Philip Fulmer, the former coach at Tennessee, was pretty much sabotaging this thing and meddling in the process and undermining John Curry. So then Tennessee did make an announcement of somebody that they hired today and who they hired was Philip Fulmer as director of athletics. Oh, what do you know? By the way, I'm not making this up. This is not from the onion. From University of Tennessee. Correction. The first sentence should have read University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Chancellor Beverly Davenport announced the appointment of direct of Philip Fulmer as director of athletics on Friday. And the director of athletics is in big, bold letters as a correction. When they put out the release, he had the wrong title. What is going on in Knoxville, Tennessee? And they still don't have a coach. Now, Tennessee is not what it used to be, but that's still an SEC program that pays pretty well and has a rabid fan base, as we saw earlier this week. They got Shiano fired before he was technically hired in the ultimate social media mob getting their way in sports. What is happening here? This is a disaster. This is gone. I brought up this before. I'm going to say it again. It was a little brush fire that became an uncontrollable grease fire that grew into a tire fire, and now it's the towering inferno. They will make a movie about this tire fire in Tennessee. 
This is 30 for 30 stuff of how they have botched this every step of the way. And then they just circle back and go to Phil Fulmer, the guy who was pretty much the last successful head coach there. I left out a few names that they targeted, looked at, and couldn't get. Meanwhile, that's hot. Jimbo Fisher goes from Florida State to Texas A&M. Texas A&M fires Kevin Sumlin, who, by the way, was a successful coach there, and manages to throw a bunch of money at Jimbo Fisher. He leaves Florida State after he could have had the LSU job, and Jimbo's just that big name who's been whispered every year as somebody that could leave Florida State and take a bigger job. So here in the ACC Atlantic, it's going to be interesting to see who takes over that job as this you know, somewhat affects Syracuse. Dave Dorn was a big candidate for Tennessee before he used that to leverage a pay raise at NC State. That's a big job, and, and Florida State's going to go after Willie Taggart, apparently who went from South Florida to Oregon, could be back in Florida. ACC coach in the mix, Justin Fuente, who's been at Virginia Tech all of two years, is a candidate for the Florida State job, according to the college football insiders out there, the Brett McMurphys and the Pete Thamels of the world and the guys that cover this stuff closely, Bruce Feldman, those great college football reporters. So Jimbo Fisher takes the job. You know what my favorite part about this whole thing was? There was a tweet today from a Florida State beat reporter. I'm not, again, this all sounds like it's from The Onion. I'm not kidding you when I say this, okay? So a reporter goes to his house, and there on the curb at Jimbo Fisher's house is the Christmas tree. Now, why would you throw away your Christmas tree on December 1st? Unless you're Clark Griswold and you discovered a squirrel was in there, why would you take your Christmas tree and throw it on the curb on December 1st? That is good journalism. They don't teach you that at Newhouse. They should. Leave no stone unturned. You know, Christmas trees on the sidewalk is the new flight tracker because that became the hot thing to do. Because you can track flights, and this private plane is... And they did that for this, by the way. A private plane left Tallahassee last night and went to Texas A&M in the middle of the night. Well, now we know why. If it's this time of the year, and coaching searches are always this time of the year, do not leave the stone unturned of, did they throw the Christmas tree away? So now Jimbo goes to Texas A&M, and their uh, AD, who, pardon me, his, his name escapes me at the moment, He got Chris Peterson to take a job after turning down a bunch of jobs at Washington. He's now at Texas A&M, and he got Jimbo to take a job after he turned down LSU and some big jobs. Ten-year, $75 million fully guaranteed contract for Jimbo. It is the richest deal in college football history in terms of total value. He'll be the second highest paid coach in the FBS with an average salary of $7.5 million, which ranks behind only Alabama's Nick Saban. But remember, there's no money for the student-athletes. Nope, nope, nope. Cannot do that. That's hot. It would go against the purity of college football. But we can give the coach 10 years, $75 million. Bing, bang, boom. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We'll break on that note. We will come back. we got more SU Hoops talk to get into. If you're just tuning in and haven't heard news just breaking within the last couple hours, the Geno Thorpe 
has left the Syracuse basketball program for personal reasons. Leaving the Syracuse basketball program a bit thinner at the guard position. We'll discuss that more when we come back. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.